Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Teaches us that our Lord inhabits the praises of His children. And it's been said that where there is massive, triumphant praise and worship, the devil is paralyzed, bound, and banished. I think the atmosphere is pretty clean right now, don't you? <laughs> Amen. Amen. This week we celebrate Thanksgiving. And, and I just have to tell you, I love it. I know we complain about a lot of things in America, but I just love it. When we have celebrations and holidays in this nation that line up with the Word of God. And we shouldn't forget that. Uh, in just a short time from now, we will celebrate Christmas. We will celebrate the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. The birth of God's Son, the birth of our dear Savior. What a great and wonderful celebration that is. And then, a little over three months after that, we will celebrate that glorious and hallelujah Easter morning when our Savior, after He was crucified, dead and buried, got up and walked out of that tomb alive and victoriously rules and reigns today. We will celebrate a risen Savior on Easter. That He is risen and He's alive. And this week, we get to celebrate Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a United States federal holiday that lines up with God's Word. Now, I just like that. Now, there's some bad, ugly stuff in America, but there's some good stuff too, you know? And this is one of them. On October the 3rd, 1863, President Abraham Lincoln made this proclamation. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And the nation did. And then get this. The very next year, 1864, he repeated the same call for a day of thanksgiving. Now, even though there had been presidents and national leaders before him that called for a day of thanksgiving, which were celebrated, he was the one who set it in motion as an ongoing U.S. federal holiday. Abraham Lincoln believed strongly that we should never forget that our blessings from God. You see, six months before he called for a day of thanksgiving, 
He also called for a day of prayer and fasting in the nation. Listen to this. These are his words, President Abraham Lincoln. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all of these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom in virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Wow. All of that in one year? From one president? These are strong words. We have forgotten our God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which has preserved us. We no longer see the necessity for redeeming grace. We're too proud to pray to the God that made us. We need to confess our national sins. We need to set aside a day of thanksgiving and give thanks to our Father who dwelleth in the heavens. Now, I want to just stop right there. And I want to just say something that everybody in this house should agree with. And if you don't agree with this, uh, the door's right out front. I want you to know that. May God bless us one more time in this nation to have a president and to have leaders who talk like that. Yes. Yes. Wouldn't you like to hear that kind of language coming out of Washington, D.C. again? <clears throat> Don't say it can't happen. Don't say it can't happen. It could. I don't see it in the immediate future, but it could. <laughs> now, with that in mind, I want to speak to you this morning on the kind of language that should be coming out of our mouths as Christians. That we should be truly thankful. And by that I mean being an individual who has not forgotten God. A person who has not forgotten His gracious hand of blessings. And a Christian who is truly thankful for the redeeming grace which has come to each of us as His children. It's what the Bible teaches. The first scripture I want to share with you is First Chronicles 16.34. And before I read it, Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you for this week. Thank you for this Thanksgiving week. Thank you that we live in a nation that doesn't just permit us to do it, but it's a part of our U.S. federal holiday system. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you. Uh, bless me now as I share your word and the truth about Thanksgiving and the fact that we should be truly thankful. Put your hand upon me, speak through me, and give us hearts and ears to hear the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
First Chronicles 16.34 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Child of God, you and I are to be thanking God for His mercy and for His goodness. And we're to be doing that all the time. This is to be non-stop. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. We are to never take for granted the many blessings which God has given to us. I heard a crazy story about a young man who wanted to do something extraordinary for his father, something great, something memorable, something he would never forget. And he wanted to do it for him on Father's Day, and so he bought a $10,000 bird. This bird could speak several different languages. This bird could sing any song. This bird could repeat with clarity any word that he heard. He was so excited, he sent this bird to his father. On Father's Day, several weeks went by, didn't hear anything from his father, and so he called his dad, and he said, Dad, I haven't heard from you. I, I, I want to know, did you get my gift? He said, yes, son. He said, you got the bird I sent you. Yes. He said, how did you like the bird? His dad said, it was delicious. The man who told that story said something like this. He said, that's pretty much sums up our generation. We are a generation of gluttonous consumers that don't really appreciate what we've been given. We are richer. We are more wealthy. We are more blessed than any people who have ever lived on the planet. And yet we don't see a lot of thanksgiving. Oh, friends, I was meditating on this. Forgive me for being so straightforward right now, but I want to tell you that I should be dead and in hell right now. But I'm not. And the reason I'm not is because His goodness and His mercy has reached me and my heart as it has yours. And here we are together worshiping our gracious God. We should never, ever stop being thankful. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. That alone should send us into perpetual thanksgiving. Here's another verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now friends, this scripture is not talking about a thanksgiving day. This scripture is talking about a thanksgiving life. Are you a Christian? Are you a child of God? Do you really know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If the answer is yes, then your life should be characterized by rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, and giving thanks for everything. 
That's God's will. Did you see that? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is God's will. I can tell you what is not God's will for your life and for my life. It's not God's will for us to be whining and complaining and fussing and bellyaching all the time. That's not God's will for us. What God wants us doing is rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, and in everything, giving thanks. That is, that's what should characterize our lives. Oh, friends, we need to stop the bellyaching and the complaining. Why would anybody in a negative world want to leave that and join a negative church? That just wouldn't matter. Why would anybody want to give, one, give up one bad atmosphere for another bad atmosphere? Listen, every now and then, somebody will come to River of Life and they will leave. And one of the complaints that I receive, it's rare, but I do receive it, is you folks are just too lively. You, you folks aren't serious enough. Well, one complaint was, River of Life is good if you're just a baby Christian, but for growing in the Lord, it won't work. Really? Well, if that's the way you feel, please tell me which church you go to so I won't ever go to that church. Oh, friends, I want you to know that the Bible says that we are to be rejoicing always. That we're to be praying without ceasing and we are to be giving thanks in everything. That's, that's what we should be doing. L listen, by the way, if anybody gets mad and leaves this church, that's a good reason to do it. I just because we're having so much fun here. Yeah. yeah. We serve a risen Savior. This is good stuff. I, well, I need to move on, but I don't want to move on. Uh, let me just say this. For the rest of this day, let me give you a challenge. For the rest of this day, rejoice. Pray. And give thanksgiving. I mean, from right at this moment, right at this moment, Get rid of all the whining, all the complaining, all the bellyaching, all the fussing, all the negatives, and just say, you know, I now know what the will of God is for my life, at least in this area, in Christ Jesus, and it's to be that I'm rejoicing always, that I'm praying without ceasing, and that I'm giving thanks in everything. I know that's God's will for my life, and I will do it. That's what I will do. Do it for the rest of the day, do it for the rest of the week, set it in motion in your life. And friends, it will change your life. It will change your family. It will change you. It will change this church. If we adopted those three things, and every member of this church did that, we would have standing room only in this church. Oh, friends, we are to give thanks. We're to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of Christ, will of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I had about 15 of these, and I just whittled it down to a few so I could point them out in the Word of God. It's rare I do this, but I actually had a few people in mind when I selected this next one. Here it is, Philippians 4.6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And what? And thank Him for what He has done. 
Now that's pretty simple. Every now and then somebody will say, the Bible's just so complicated, I can't understand it. What, what are you, a kindergartner? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done for you. Have you ever known somebody that worried about everything? Who worried about, who worried all the time? Who had the ability to turn every molehill into a mountain of worry? Who embraced worry as though it were a spiritual gift? Oh, what's your calling? God has called me to worry. That's, that's my contribution to the kingdom of God. I just like to worry. God's called me to worry. Friends, the problem with that is, is God says don't do it. I mean, I mean here it is. It says for us to stop worrying. Don't worry about anything. That's the biblical way of saying just stop it. Put an end to it. Refuse to do it. God doesn't want you worrying. You see, friends, worry is a sin against God. How do I know that? Because worry and faith are incompatible. They don't go together. If you're worrying, you don't have faith. And if you have faith, you're not worrying. Worrying and faith don't go together. Worrying and thanksgiving don't go together. Worry is an indictment against God's ability to handle the situation. Worry says, I think I found something that God can't handle. And, and, and so, so we worry. But listen to this, friends. Thanksgiving is just the opposite. Thanksgiving is one of the ways that you and I say to our Heavenly Father, I truly trust you and my eyes are upon you. And you've told me not to worry, but to trust you. And that's exactly what I will do. Listen, it's real simple. We have the choice almost every day of our lives. A problem arises. Anybody had a problem lately? Yeah, a problem arises. And guess what we do? We're faced with the choice. I will worry about it or I will refuse to worry about it. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says you should refuse to worry about it. The Bible says you should pray about it. And the Bible says you should give God thanks for what He's going to do about it. See, see, we, we need to get away from the worry aspect and we need to give God the praise and the honor and the glory and we need to thank Him for what He's done for us. I'll just give you one more this morning. Hebrews 12, 28. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe. I want to give you the best reason, the best reason you'll ever have to give God thanks, to be thankful, to live a whole life of thanksgiving. This is the best reason you will ever come up with. At least in my opinion, it trumps all the other reasons. And by the way, it has nothing to do with Donald Trump or any other human leader. Here it is. You ready for it? Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful. Child of God, 
we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. And, and this is what it says. It says, let us be thankful. Do you, do you know the problem with the world in which we live right now is? It's always shaking. There's always turmoil. There's always something wrong. By the way, people who can always point out something that's wrong, they're not very smart. Anybody could do that. There's always something wrong, isn't there? The world's always shaking. It's always in turmoil. There's always confusion. There's always turbulence. By the way, I decided to do some research on this subject. And this past week, I, I was shocked. I found out that every year, there's over one million earthquakes. That's the way. I, that's what I thought. One now, granted, the overwhelming majority of them are so small that we wouldn't even notice them. But get this: the number of big, large earthquakes is growing every year. So far, in 2016, we've had over 10,000 earthquakes that were of a 4.0 magnitude and greater. Since January 1st of this year. Child of God, listen to me. The very ground we stand on is trembling and shaking. It's characteristic of this world. And, and by the way, if you know your prophecy, like I hope you do, it's one of the things that Jesus said would happen in the last days. And it's going on right now. But should we worry? Should we fret? Should we bite our fingernails? No. Why? Because we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. He's giving us a kingdom that's unshakable. And based on that, we give thanks. Not because of what's going on in the world or what's not going on in the world. We do it because He's giving us a kingdom that's unshakable. But it's not just the earth itself that's trembling and shaking right now. It's the people. It's the nations. It's the... The leaders, we all know that the kingdoms of this world have always been in flux. They're always fragile. There's always a problem. There's always something. There's always something to strike fear in our hearts. From the, from, from the day I was born, there's, there's been something to be afraid of. I, I remember, really, I'm not making this up. I remember in the earth when I was just a little boy. And this was back during the Cold War. I was a little boy. And I would hear these news reports. And people were building bomb shelters, you remember? And they were packing them with food. And they were getting the proper ventilation so if a nuclear strike comes, they could live underground. And I was upset. I was worried. I couldn't figure out why my parents weren't out back digging a hole somewhere. But they just didn't do it. There's always been something to be afraid of. You know what I mean? How many of you remember, are you old enough to remember this, where your teacher stood up in classroom and said, now in case of a nuclear strike, we want you to get out of your seat and under your desk. How many of you remember that? Yeah. 
Yeah, now we go way back. Get under your desk. You're going to be all right. Nuclear strike, just get out of your seat. Hey, listen, if we have a nuclear strike during this sermon, just get out of your chair and get under your chair. Everything will be all right. I can look at some of you and tell right now that's going to be a little bit difficult. I shouldn't have said that right before Thanksgiving, should I? The point I'm trying to make is there's always been something to strike fear in our hearts. There's always been something to terrify us. And listen, friends, don't you be deceived a bit. If in the next 30 days we could get rid of ISIS, trust me, something else will rise up in this world that will threaten us and terrorize us and strike fear in our hearts. Why? Because we live in a fallen world which is being shaken by the powers of darkness. That's what's going on right now. And friends, I tell you that there was turmoil in this world the day you were born and there will be turmoil in this world the day you die. But child of God, we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. And so we just keep praising God. We just keep thanking God. Uh, In John Bevere's book, Driven by Eternity, which I'm reading right now and I recommend it, he tells the story of a pastor named Greg. This was back in 1979. Pastor Greg came home to find his 10-year-old son, Justin, had brought a small television set into the bathroom to watch a football game while taking a bath. He accidentally pulled the TV into the bathtub and was electrocuted. When Pastor Greg found him, his son had no pulse, his flesh was cold and blue, and his eyes were fully dilated, indicating there was no brain activity. He started praying and doing CPR all at the same time. Not long after that, the paramedics arrived, and they went to work on his son, Justin. Nothing seemed to work. Minutes went by, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Greg continued to pray and to cry out to God. The paramedics continued to work on him just as a courtesy to his father, but they knew it was too late. They knew they would just have to wait for the father to be reconciled to it. Greg finally, Pastor Greg finally prayed, Father, I don't have any more faith. I've exhausted all I have. Pastor Greg said he felt something like a hand on the top of his head. Once he did, he sensed a very strong force and authority rising up from within his spirit. And he shouted at his son, you will live and not die in the name of Jesus. All of a sudden, the machine started beeping with a pulse appearing on the screen. The paramedics jumped with excitement. Greg was so excited his son was alive and well, he thought. But even though his heart was beating, the boy was in a coma. At the hospital, they told his father that he would have the mind of a three-month-old baby for the rest of his life if he lived, and they didn't think he would live. Listen to this. After seven months of him being in a coma and his family praying and refusing to give up, one day, Justin suddenly came out of the coma. He opened his eyes. 
His father was by his side and started firing questions at his son, to which he received immediately and answered all of them correctly. Justin went on to graduate from high school. He was the senior class president. He graduated from UCLA and then went on to Bible school, all with honors. Today, he's happily married and has two children. But as Paul Harvey says, now the rest of the story. Three days after Justin got out of the hospital, his father Greg noticed that his son's face was glowing. He asked, what's going on, Justin? Justin replied, Dad, I've been with Jesus. When the TV hit the bathtub, I didn't feel a thing. A huge angel grabbed me by the right arm and took me right out of my body. We flew through a tunnel and landed on one of the streets of heaven. Justin shared that the first people to greet him on the heavenly street were relatives who had died. He named each of them, some of whom he had never met or whose names he had never even known. There was also a lady named Phyllis in this welcoming group. She was a neighbor Justin's mother had prayed with to receive Jesus one month before Justin was electrocuted. She had died two weeks after her conversion. Justin was conversing with all of these people when suddenly he heard a wrestling and the group around him split apart. And there stood Jesus. The Lord took Justin on a tour of heaven. There were many streets and buildings. It was definitely a large city. The flowers, grass, and even rocks were all alive and singing in harmony. Justin said it seemed as if they were praising God. If he stepped on grass or a flower, it wouldn't be crushed. It immediately rebounded to its previous position. Justin noticed the colors were vibrant and bright, much more so than he had seen on earth. There were even colors he had never seen before. He also had the privilege of seeing some of the mansions of family members who were in heaven. Then came the real shock. Jesus told Justin he had to go back to earth. Justin didn't want to leave heaven. But Jesus brought him to a place where he pulled open a veil. Justin, Justin could see his father calling him back. Jesus said to him, He is your father and he has the authority to call you back. Justin then told his father to never call him back if he happens to die again. Dad, don't do that. Oh, friends, there are dozens of stories like this floating around. Don't discount them all because one of them is found in the Word of God where Paul went into the heavens. Oh, friends, whether or not you believe these stories is okay. But we are children of God. And it is not okay for us to ignore the Scriptures. If you believe the Bible, then we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, eternal in the heavens. We are going home. This world is not my home. I'm only passing through. 
My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And the angels, they beckon to me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, child of God. Child of God. There are a thousand reasons and more why we should give thanks every day. But one major reason is, no matter what happens in this world, we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Would you bow with me in prayer? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, every child of God, every person in this house who knows, I mean, you know that you know that you know that you've been saved, that Jesus lives in your heart. I want you to be encouraged today. I want you to be strengthened today. I, I pray that your mouth will be filled with thanksgiving through this season, but not just this season on an ongoing basis, that you will be rejoicing always, praying without ceasing and giving thanks in everything, that it will be a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.